Well, good morning, and peace be with you. Welcome back, Nick. Thank you very much. Good to have you here, and welcome to everybody. Uh, uh, I introduced myself to a visitor that we have in the back, Jerry. I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but everybody say hello to Jerry for us, and we're glad to have you here. Yep. Um, I guess this is a time for announcements. This is, I'm going to start having council do this because you guys do it better than me. I think, Ed, you did a great job last week, and I want to thank you for that. And maybe we'll switch it up, have Randy do it. He's, he's in the back where he can't protest right now, but maybe we'll switch it up so you, you guys can, uh, can uh, help us out and let us know what's going on. If you take a look at the bulletin here, I'll let you peruse through that and find things that are interesting to you. And um, what I find the most interesting here uh, is that the flowers on the altar this morning are absolutely gorgeous, and they are given in loving memory of Mr. Fix-It. And um, <laughs> uh, this is Iris Jean's beloved Robert, who went home to be with the Lord for some time ago. And I met Robert a half a dozen times, but the most memorable time was when I got invited over for lunch. And um, Iris makes a pretty good lunch, everybody. And uh, it's better than pretty good. And I got to visit with both her and uh, Robert. And if you remember, that was the day they had a ceremony for um, Bob Dole, right? And, and uh, uh, Robert was a true patriot and had... Uh, an adventurer's heart and experience, and it was just a real joy to share that time with him. So we remember him and give thanks to him alongside you, my friend. So, well, without further ado, let us get started. Help us out here, Nick.
Will you please stand if you're able? We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained pastor and servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, Comfort and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, you have called us to enter your kingdom through the narrow door. Guide us by your word and spirit and lead us now and always into the feast of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 66, verses 18 through 23, and can be found on page 1166 in the Pew Bible. This is the final chapter of the book of Isaiah, and it's titled, Judgment and Hope. Isaiah paints a picture of a great judgment that will occur at Christ's coming, and our reading describes the spreading of the word to all corners of the earth. Isaiah 66, 18 through 23. And I, because of what they have planned and done, am about to come and gather the people of all nations and languages, and they will come and see my glory. I will set a sign among them, and I will send some of those who survive to the nations, to Tarshish, to Libyans, and Lydians, famous as archers, to Tubal and Greece, and to the distant islands that have not heard of my fame or seen my glory. They will proclaim my glory among the nations, and they will bring all your people from all the nations to my holy mountain in Jerusalem as an offering to the Lord, on horses in chariots and wagons, and on mules and camels, says the Lord. They will bring them as the Israelites bring their grain offerings to the temple of the Lord in ceremonially clean vessels. And I will select some of them also to be priests and Levites, says the Lord. As the new heavens and the new earth that I will make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and the descendants endure. From one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. We'll read Psalm 50, verses 1 through 15 responsibly, and it's printed in your bulletin on page 6. In Psalm 50, God contrasts the difference of those with true faith and those who just go through the motions of faith. God desires sincere thanks, trust, and practice. Psalm 50, 1 through 15. The Mighty One, God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to where it sets. From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and will not be silent. A fire devours before him, and around him a tempest rages. He summons the heavens above and the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me this consecrated people who made a covenant with me by sacrifice and the heavens proclaim his righteousness, for he is a God of justice. Listen, my people, and I will speak. I will testify against you, Israel. I am God, your God. 
I bring no changes against you concerning your sacrifices or concerning your burnt offerings, which are ever before me. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on the thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Or drink blood of goats. Sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. The next reading is taken from the book of Hebrews chapter 12 verses 4 through 29 and can be found on page 1877 in the Pew Bible. This chapter of Hebrews is titled, God Disciplines His Sons. Earlier in this chapter, the author explains how to live by faith with examples of faithful men and women in Israel's history. Our reading gives encouragement for daily living with Christ and ends with comparing the Old and the New Covenant. Hebrews 12, 4 through 29. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this world of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as a discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? They dis disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a, a, a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words 
that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God and the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they do not, uh, did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning comes from St. Luke, chapter 13, verses 22 through 30, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 1621. Luke records, then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. And someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And he said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. And once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. And then you will say, We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. And when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and 
all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves are thrown out. People will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and the first who will be last. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. It's, uh, it's been a while since Luke told us in chapter 9, verse 51, he said, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. And in case we have forgotten, the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to remind us in the gospel today that Jesus was teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. That was in verse 22. We know that Jesus had an appointment with a cross in Jerusalem. And as he made his way towards the cross, he spent his time proclaiming the kingdom of God in all of the towns and villages along the way. And as often happened to Jesus while he was teaching, there was a question. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? That's uh, English Standard Version. And that's Luke 13, 23. And so what we know by reading this passage from Luke is that he did not record any kind of trap or trick in his question, which he did when the Pharisees and the Sadducees scribes, they were trying to trick Jesus. You know, that's been the theme a lot each week. Well, there's no evidence of that. So we should give the benefit of the doubt that the question uh, and, and the way that he treated it, it was legitimate. It was a legitimate question. And I'm glad that question was asked. Someone really wanted to hear Jesus' teaching on the question. And very often, when a question like this is asked, there is an unasked question or component within it. The person who asked this question may really have wanted to know, am I one of the many or am I one of the few? Am I one of the saved or am I one of the lost? And if Jesus had answered this way, and he didn't answer this way, but if he had said, oh, all kinds of people are going to be pouring into the kingdom, well, a person could get the impression and might think to themselves, well then, 
there's a pretty good chance that I'm saved if all kinds of people are going to pour in. Now, on the other hand, if Jesus had answered only the most elite of the elite will enter, then it's possible that that person might say, my chances are pretty slim of getting in. And this question is really about the confidence that anyone could have in their salvation. That's the question in the question. And there are a few other things that we can notice about the question. One of the things is that the question is about somebody else. Just in case Jesus gave a discouraging answer, the questioner could always say, well, that's other people, that's not me. In the teaching of Jesus, they never, never leave us in a position where we can say that, that that's for somebody else. The teachings are for the benefit of all people. The teaching of, of benefits of Jesus are for all people in all places and in all times. And often, as it would happen, Jesus used this question or a question as a teaching moment, a teaching opportunity. And his response guided the questioner to change his approach to the question. The way that he directed him was this, don't focus on how many will be saved. Rather, instead, focus on the confidence of your salvation. It is better to ask, how can I be confident of my own salvation? And it's recorded that Jesus said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter, and they will not be able. Luke 13, verses 23 and 24. Now, the Greek word for strive um, is a root English word, or the root word in English of agony, striving, agony. And this word can also mean to fight, as the Apostle Paul encouraged Timothy to fight the good fight of the faith. And it can also mean struggle. It can mean that the struggle is continuous, that it's not something that happens once and then it's over. Rather, it is something that lasts a lifetime, striving to enter the narrow gate. Now, if somebody told me that I'm going to have to fight and struggle and strive, the next thing that I would expect to come from his mouth would be, how do I fight, struggle, or strive? And instead of giving that in information, Jesus talked about the kind of struggling that does not work. When once the master of the house had risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you came from. 
Verse 26, it says, Then you will begin to say, We ate and we drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. And this is a description of the horror of eternity. Eternity without Christ. Because it is only after it is too late, after the door is shut, that these people, these poor souls, they realize their mistake. They are on the wrong side of the door. Instead of being inside at the eternal feast of the master, they are outside. And what's worse is the master doesn't even recognize them. And when they learn of their terrible mistake, they try to make a case. They try to make a case for the master to open the door and let them in. They begin to say, hey, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. And apparently they believe that just being in the master's presence gave them the right to enter into the banquet. However, instead of making their case for them, these words actually condemn them. Because with these words, they admit that the master gave them every opportunity to hear him. And they heard him teach at the table while they ate and they drank. And they heard him teach in the streets. And they had every opportunity to be inside the door. But they rejected. They rejected the master's teaching. They were with him and they heard him. But they did not listen. And only after it's too late do they realize the consequences of their mistake. So what is the basic nature of their mistake? Well, their mistake is that they were looking to themselves. That they thought that the master should open the heaven because they had gone through all the motions. They thought that they had earned heaven in their own actions, in their own actions. And Jesus said, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Now what could Jesus possibly mean when he tells us to fight or struggle or strive to get in through the narrow door? I mean, what, what, what does that mean? Well, the first thing is that we should understand, and this is very important. The first thing we need to understand is that this is an instruction that we cannot do ourselves. We just can't do it. When Jesus speaks to you and he says, strive to enter through the narrow door, he is in fact asking you to do something that is impossible. You just can't do it. He is giving you a commandment that you cannot keep. Now, in Luther's small catechism, in the section uh, in regards to the creed, some of you might have uh, memorized this in, in uh, catech your catechism, your, your, your confirmation class, um, 
I, I find that much of what I did memorize isn't there anymore. I don't know. The file's lost. But um, I'll read it for you. In the third article, it says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. And in Luther's small catechism, it's got with answers. And I love these because it says this, what does that mean? Well, it means that I believe that I cannot on my own, on my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. I can't do it on my own. The Holy Spirit empowers me to do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Takes the pressure off. I receive. I am led by the Spirit. And in the same way, the explanation continues, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. And on the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. Point. When it comes to salvation... God does A-L-L, all, all of the work. These words of Martin Luther tell us that God the Holy Spirit even creates and maintains the faith that receives God's salvation. And when Jesus says, strive to enter through the narrow door, he is giving you an impossible task. And you cannot, on your own reason or strength, strive to enter through the narrow door. But because it is the Word of God and because the Holy Spirit has promised, He has promised to work through the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will produce this striving in you. And that the striving that Jesus speaks of is the work that the Holy Spirit does in you when he calls you by hearing the gospel and performs the miracle of faith in you. The men and the ladies in Bible study know when I pray, I pray to the Holy Spirit to do the gospel to the hearers. That's what I mean. That through this word, that the, if I get out of his way, that the Holy Spirit will use that word to strengthen your faith and to nourish you and to enable you to go through that narrow gate. He works in you to produce repentance as you confess your sin and trust in Christ for forgiveness. And with that forgiveness, with that forgiveness comes salvation and eternal life. Now the struggle, the struggle that we all feel comes because our old sinful nature hates the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And when the Holy Spirit works faith in you, you become a battleground 
in the war that the evil one wages against God. It's, in fact, you join the Apostle Paul as he mourns over his sin, saying, I don't understand my own actions, for I do the things that I don't want to do. Kind of got that mixed up. I don't do the things I want to do, but I find myself doing the things that I hate. Paul struggled with that. You and I live the life of repentance that Martin Luther described in the first of his 95 theses when he wrote, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance daily. Repent and be absolved. Repent and be forgiven. This is the struggle that comes when the Holy Spirit moves you through the narrow door into eternal life. And Jesus said, once again, strive to enter through the, the narrow door. And his words teach us that the door to eternal life is open. He himself opened it when he kept his appointment on the cross. As he, as he hung on that cross in agony for you, he opened that door. And the blood that he shed, it forgives you all of your sin, and it gives you eternal life. And it earns you a place to recline at the table of the kingdom of God. In Christ's resurrection, there is the promise that you too shall, shall rise. And he has proceeded to, he's preceded you in order to prepare your place as he promised. He made that promise that if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself and where I am, you may be also. And then he says, you shall be among the people who will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and recline at the table of the kingdom of God. Again, strive to enter through the narrow door. The truth is that it is now open. But there is a day, there is a day coming when just as Christ rose to open the door, he will rise to close it. And the door will close for many today. And as death takes them from this world to the next, the truth is, someday it will close for you. And someday it will close for me. And the question is that we all ask, is which side of the door will I be on? Unfortunately, the answer to that question doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on us. Imagine just how blessed we are that Jesus Christ saved humanity in all times and in all places. Imagine how blessed we are that the Holy Spirit delivers that salvation through faith 
in Jesus Christ. He delivers it to humanity in all times and in all places to those who believe. And for as Christ's saving work extends back to the time of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets, it also extends forward to include all of us, all who believe. For as God's word and his sacraments spread from Jerusalem to the east and the west and the north and the south, so also people will come from east and west and from north and south, and they will recline at the table in the kingdom of heaven. And that even includes people who come from Illinois and California. So it is thanks. Thanks be to the Father who gives us the kingdom. Thanks be to Christ who strove for us on the cross and opened the door through which we enter the kingdom. And it is thanks be to the Holy Spirit who enlightens and sanctifies us so that we can strive to enter through that narrow door. In the name of Jesus, amen.
please stand if you're able. Let us now confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please pray with me for the whole Church of God and for all people according to their needs. Dear Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you now to praise you and thank you for your goodness, your love, and your faithfulness. We worship you in reverence and awe for all that you have done for us and blessed us with. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for Pastor Ken and all who worship here and serve you with the gifts and talents that you have given. Lord, we ask that you would bless us, strengthen us, and keep us healthy in body, mind, and spirit so that we may do all that you have called us to do and fulfill your purpose for our lives. We ask that you guide us and help us stay on the narrow path with you, the path of peace, love, holiness, and truth. We need your help, your love, and your discipline to keep us on that right path. Dear God, there is so much turmoil and chaos happening around the world that at times we feel scared and unsure. Please let us feel your presence and give us refuge from the harsh world. Father, teach us through your word to rely on your son Jesus for our strength in times of trouble. We pray that you would deliver us from evil and bitter roots that cause so much trouble. We need your righteousness and truth. Lord, we acknowledge that everything belongs to you. You know every detail of your creation. Father, we lift up our unsaved loved ones to you and ask that you stir up their faith and reveal your love and goodness to them. Lord, we pray that you would help us share your love, your grace, your peace, and your forgiveness to everyone whom you bring into our lives. Father, we ask that you be in the midst of broken families that are torn apart by sin and bring love and reconciliation. Father, we thank you for all healthcare workers, 
police officers, firefighters, military and armed forces, and ask that you be with them and bless them. Father, we lift up those who are homeless and displaced, those who are hungry, those who struggle with addictions, those who are abused, those who are neglected, those who have broken hearts, those who are lonely, those in pain, those that are sick and anxious. We ask for your healing balm to wash over all who are hurting and facing disease in body, mind, or spirit, especially those whom we name out loud or deep in our hearts. Colton, George and George, Luke, Eldred, Sharon and Lee, Valerie and Jackie, Ava, Peggy, Pierre, Hank, Randy, Roger, and Debbie. Lord, grant your healing, hope, and strength. All we want is you, and all we need is you. Thank you for being our provider. We thank you for your peace, your mercy, your healing, and your comfort. We love you, Lord Jesus, beautiful Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Will you pray with me? 
Blessed are you, O God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, who through Jesus Christ our Lord on this day overcame death and the grave. And by his glorious resurrection, he opened up to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy. In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. The narrow gate. The good news is it's, it's open. Open for you and all who should believe. The good news is that you receive the ability through the Holy Spirit, through what Christ perfectly worked on that cross to bring us through the gate. Now, he doesn't make people go through the gate. He won't drag them kicking and screaming. Our Lord and Savior is a gentleman. 
But for all who should believe, for all who hear, for all who the Holy Spirit does the gospel to, the gate's open. It's open for you. And the table is prepared for you. Come and eat. Come and see that the Lord is good. Amen.
Luther said that the life of the believer should be one of repentance. And we take him at his word as inspired by the Holy Spirit. That is the life of the believer. I would add it's for us to clarify that it's confession, repentance, and then absolution, hearing those words that you're, you are forgiven. All of your sins are forgiven for Jesus' sake. And that you hear your pastor declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sin, all of your sins, not in my name, but in his name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's what I think Luther is pointing to us, that that is the reality of our walk in a fallen world. May it comfort you knowing that you're going to get through that narrow gate. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.